AAT Birds Weekly Report is the Eagle News, notes, and analysis you need. of the AT Birds Weekly Report. Uh, I, myself, Johnny Lecca, is joined by just Chip today, at Chip for the Birds and at Umpire Stories. So uh, we're going to... If, well, if you're going to say that, can we like make it like it's just the chip? Just the chip? <laughs> yeah. The stale, the stale chip in the end of the bag. Um, nope, you missed that, miss that joke right over the head there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Go ahead. I derailed you. Go ahead. You were trying. Got talk about. Well, got some stuff to talk about. It's good that everything kind of keeps flowing in the NFL world uh, gives us something to talk about. The owners meeting was uh, this week. Uh, the general managers, head coaches, owners all got together in Arizona and a couple of different things that we're going to you know, speak on <clears throat> rules, some rules changes and everything that we're going to get into that. Uh, Nick did speak how he spoke and so did uh, Jeffrey Laurie. So we'll touch on some of that stuff, but how you doing, Chip? I know uh, the world of business has always got to us, but hey, it's uh, it's going. You know, baseball season is really kicking in, which is where my my alter ego kind of lives during this time of year. You know, opening day tomorrow, wearing some Sixers gear because they're making their pre-playoff run. Um, and I packed away all of my Eagle stuff for the summer just because it 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 still hurts. It still it it still hurts a little bit. So yeah, there's still- it's in a bin. <laughs> I did not do that, but uh, um, I understand that. I understand that at all. Um, I just, I just needed the closet space for umpire gear. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, getting into the the NFL rules and some changes that were made, and um, the first one I'm going to start with is the one that the Eagles did was the permitting the use of the zero jersey. So the number zero will be able to be worn on NFL jerseys this year um, and also allow kickers and punters to use the jersey numbers anywhere between 0 and 49 and 90 to 99. So this means the Eagles can give the punter number 47 because we don't really want to see that uh, worn on the defender anymore um, or 46 or 46 or 40, you know, the high 40s so they can save those single digits. I think a lot of it has to do with teams want to get a, as many single digit numbers to kind of reward their top players to wear single digits. It's almost like it's the college. So game. just the college football Jersey rules, just the college. And again, it's again, this make I'm 36. So I remember back in my day, like I remember a time where, you know, your quarterbacks and your kickers and your punters, they wore between one and 19. Your running backs were twenties, thirties and forties along with defensive backs and uh, people like that, your, your linemen 
and your safeties, not sorry, your linemen and your linebackers were everything in the 50s, where you're mostly your linebackers. And then the 60s was your linemen, 70s was your linemen, 80s was wide receivers, 90s was D linemen or linebackers. And that was it. Like this is, it's, it's, it is exhausting. Try, it's almost as bad as like the NBA players, like, trading jersey number or trading teams as much as they do and like the Madden franchise that has become the NFL. Who cares? It is a jersey number. Pick a damn jersey number and stick with it. So I I, I don't mind it. Um my biggest issue and it's funny because the Eagles are the ones that propose this. So the Eagles have a ton of retired jersey numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh and I've been vocal about this uh, on Twitter, on uh, other platforms, uh, you know, no platforms at all, just kind of talking to people. And, you know, when, when you look at the NFL jerseys and you look at all the other teams and you look at their basically retired jerseys or retired numbers and along the lines of that, the Eagles are just, to me, it gets the borderline ridiculous. And, the retired numbers, okay. I understand. I, I can. I can get that as as best I can. Whatever you want to say, because yes, you know Dawkins, Bednarik, Reggie White. I, I think that there has to be a qualification right. of if you make the Hall of Fame, you are eligible to have your jersey number retired. Yeah, and you, you know, and then the organization can decide. You know, for me, it's number fifteen's retired for Steve Van Buren. Now he is a Hall of Famer as well, right? Um, but Number five, McNabb. I'm I, shouldn't be I, retired. I He's not McNabb a Hall of Famer, done, but I don't think it should be retired. Number twenty. Now he five is McNabb is the greatest quarterback in Eagles history right now. Right now, yes. Jalen Hurts is on a very quick high trajectory. Westbrook should not have his jersey number retired. I love and I love these players. I absolutely love Westbrook. I love I loved McNabb when he played. I, you know, but. Yeah, they shouldn't have their jersey. Are you going to retire To's jersey for two seasons, a season and a half? No. Well, the the other thing I want to bring up too is you look at Reggie White's success came with Green Bay. Yeah, but his success was here. He he has set a lot of he has records here too. So that's fine. He's one of the greatest. He's still he's eligible in that situation. Like I I really do feel like the NFL, if they're going to over over govern everything, then it needs to be okay. Listen, you still have to give these players jerseys, and we can't double up like they do in college. So you have to have a qualification of if they make the Hall of Fame, then then they're eligible to have their jersey retired, and then it could be up to you. So the the other ones you have here too is uh, Tom Brookshire, uh, Pete Retzlaff, both great you know, really Eagles, but I think it's a little much. You know, Benaric, number seventy, Al Wister. Again, these guys played in the forties, and the fifties, and the the early sixties. Like Chuck Bednarik is an is an all timer. Sit last. Bednarik, yes. Van Buren, yes. And Jerome Brown passed away, so I could see that as a passing. I, teams do that when a player passes away; they retire them. That I understand. Um, but the my biggest issue with it, and you know, Randall Cunningham's number twelve hasn't been given out since he left in ninety five. Lashawn McCoy's number twenty five hasn't been given out since he left. Brent Selix hasn't been given out. Nick uh, Nick Foles number nine hasn't been given out. Jason Peters number seventy one hasn't been given out. Uh, Eighty six Zach Ertz hasn't been given out. That and then you look at the players: Brandon Graham number fifty five, Kelsey sixty two, Lane Johnson sixty five, 
Fletcher Cox 91. How many numbers are you just not going to give out? Because it gets to a point where borderline ridiculous when you have 53 roster players, plus you have 16 players now on the practice squad, mm-hmm. plus whoever gets hurt and is on IR, whether that's five, six, four, five, six players as well. And you, you look at all of that. What about a player like Malcolm Jenkins, number 27, gets given away to Zach McPherson basically the year after he leaves? But again, Jenkins didn't stay here long. Jenkins didn't stay here long enough. And his success was with, I mean, he, he, it was obviously success with us, but he was also successful with the saints. I think that, I think there have to be extra rules. Like number one, you have to be in the hall of fame, which Jenkins isn't there yet. He may not be, he may, I mean, I think he's a hall of famer in my opinion. Retire his number, but if you're holding numbers for guys, you know, like Jason Peters and Nick and Brent Selleck and Zach Ertz and Nick Foles and LaShawn McCoy. I, I'm sorry, but you got to give these numbers away. The, the, aspect it's also, it's also possible numbers. that these guys, like people don't want those numbers. People might not want number nine. People might not want number 25. Like uh, it's possible. No about that. I think that's it's, a little, it's, it's possible. I mean, we'll see with the next crop of guys that we, we draft. We'll see with any more free agents that we get. We'll and, see with any guys that we trade for. And the thing about Malcolm Jenkins is, I think he was here just as long as LaShawn McCoy was here. So it's not like the longevity uh, aspect. And obviously more successful. And who was more successful? In the wins department, it's Jenkins. Yeah. And then they won a Super Bowl. And that's what, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So don't get me wrong. McCoy was a great player. But the, but the other thing about it too is it. I, I just I don't know what they're the parameters from the hold the numbers. Because a guy like Deshaun Jackson – they gave his number right away. His number has been given out multiple times. So, you know, you look at a guy like this, Harold Carmichael's number has been given out to all sorts of people. Random. Westbrook's number has been given away. Westbrook's number has been given away. So I don't give, I don't, if I give McCoy's number before I give Westbrook's. Yeah. You know, and what's up Gator. Gator. Um, but you know, you, I just find it's, it's pretty dumb to just hold these numbers. There's no reason to hold the numbers. Now, if, if you want like a legacy, like a legendary player, like a player like McNabb or a player like you can hold that number for either a first round draft pick or a player you sign that is a top tier player and maybe let them get that. But this whole, you can also have all these numbers. You can also do a ring of honor. You don't need to retire the Jersey. You just, you can still value what they've done by just putting their name up permanently but the number doesn't need to stay retired. No, you're right. And or a soft retirement or whatever it is that they're doing. Yeah. Well, whatever that may be, but you you don't have to hold all these numbers. And then it's funny because the Eagles are the one that propose, you know, they, (laughs) they propose this, this zero because they need more numbers. Um, But, you know, when you look at a, look at a team like the Dallas Cowboys, Okay. A Dallas Cowboys, I know it's the rival of the Eagles, but they have a lot of lineage in terms of, you know, NFL titles and stuff like that. And they've had great players on their teams. Mm -hmm. So as of 2022, six numbers have been kept out of circulation. The Cowboys do not retire jersey numbers. Okay. Troy Aikman's number eight, Roger Staubach's number 12, Bob Hayes and Emmett Smith's number 22, Bob Lilly's 74, and Jason Witten's 82. Then the rest of the numbers have been used. Right. Like even a guy like Michael Irvin, Michael Irvin's considered one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. His number got passed right on. His his number is like a legacy number. And I I had this chat with, 
with uh you know one of our guys uh Chris Romanelli uh talking about like Dallas and they number 88 they gave it to Des Bryant and then after Des Bryant it went to CD Lamb so it's it goes to a top tier wide receiver they're just passing it to a first round receiver like they the guy got it in his rookie year so he he has to live up to that and it's kind of like the same thing as what like Penn State does with number 11 on defense um, right it goes to that next up and coming Linebacker. linebacker. <laughs> so like I could see doing something like that. And I think that's pretty cool, but um, you know, for the, for them to make numbers, whatever. Okay. So who who's actually. wearing number zero for the Eagles? Hopefully it's a player they draft, whether it's uh, Darnell Washington, Christian Gonzalez, one of those players. Otherwise uh, I don't know who changes their number or who I, takes number like, zero. I don't maybe, such maybe, a you know. Maybe it's, it's, maybe it's Mariota. It's such a dumb number. Now Mariota will wear eight. Well, Aaron Sippos. Aaron they... Sippos is not going to be on the Eagles next year. Well, if he is, maybe he'll wear 47. Then we can have another 47 to despise when he's on the field. But looking at the other rules. Uh, okay. So. Uh, the Let's, one rule... I, I'm going to pause you real quick. The one rule that I love that basically got ignored was, oh, well, the competition committee needs to look at the, you know, the, the, the quarterback sneak shove. AKA the Jalen Hurts rule. And nobody gave a crap because you know what? We know you're doing it. It's on us to stop it. It doesn't give anybody an unfair advantage. You literally know the play we're going to run. Stop it. And if you can't, then you're not a good defense. Yeah. And you know what? Then if you complain so much, just run it yourself. There's a reason the other teams aren't running is because they can't. Correct. So I'm I'm glad that the, the competition committee kind of went, Stopping whiny bitches. No, and the, the, the other one, you know, they have a bunch of other ones, but some notable ones here is uh, the penalty for tripping a personal foul instead of a 10 yard penalty. It's a 15 yard penalty. You don't see it too much, but um, I could see that. Um, the definition of a launch to leaving one or both feet again, this is going to be, you know, for me, it's looking at the referees, it's, it's going to be a bang bang to be able to see. And to me, if it, you're launching, it's going to be a definite you know, launch to hit somebody um, expanding the, the officials replay on a failed fourth down attempt. I like that because I was listening to, yeah, failed fourth down attempt to review it because uh, Rich McKay, which is one of the heads of the, the, the players, the personnel co- committee, everything with the the players rules and everything, company, whatever comp, competition committee, I believe. Um, what he said was you go to a commercial anyway. Uh-huh. So to review it, you know, you're already at the commercial. There's no stoppage of time. No, no. So I thought that was pretty good. Now they're not going to review, uh, automatically review a converted fourth down. So, um, a couple things that I think were tabled that they're going to revisit are the no onside kick, the fourth and 20. I, I love, so the XFL, which is going to fail again. Let's, let's call it like it is. The XFL is going to fail again. Sorry, the rock has this rule where instead of doing an onside's kick, you can go for it on fourth and 15 and have the opportunity to keep the ball. It is absolutely brilliant to put, I, I think the NFL needs this rule because we all know that the success of onside's kick has gone down dramatically as the years have gone on. So look, I understand like it's the, the kicking team's responsibility to recover the ball, but 
they they keep switching up what an onside kick look like. So now you can only send five guys, and you have yeah. to you have to start it. Like there's so many really things that they're putting in place to prevent the kicking team from getting the ball. Why not give it that balls to the wall, high energy one play, fourth and fifteen. You get it, you get the ball. You don't, and I think it's safer too. Like you're always talking about safety. Those guys are running very full speed in such a condensed area. The ball's coming high. You've got receivers jumping and fully exposed. I mean, you've got danger. It's dangerous. Onside mm-hmm. kicks are dangerous. That's why they eliminated the wedge. That's why they eliminated all these things. The, the, the wedge, the wall, they eliminated the running starts. They eliminated the 10 guys on one side. They eliminated all of it. So why not just eliminate the onside kick? Yeah. And the big thing about it too, is it gives, it's more refreshing when you're looking at a fourth and 15, you're like, okay, the, the dramatics so saying there's a chance. <laughs> Exactly. There's, there's dramatics there. And, you know, I, I, I want to see the fourth and 20 the onside kick isn't fair anymore. Like back when they, when you could put everybody on one side and try to do it. Okay. But they don't want smashing up against each other and all that. It's the not safe. That, the other one that they tabled um, to kind of get more information was when you're punting. And I think the one with is when you're punting the ball and, um, it goes out of bounds. You get it at the 25 instead of the 20. That's something they're going to think about, uh, talk a little more. The other one was kickoffs uh-huh. between the 24 and the goal line. If you fair catch it, you get it at the 25, no matter where you are on the, in that portion of the field. And then just get rid of kickoffs. Well, yeah, just get but rid also, of kickoffs then and just start at the 25. But the question that a lot of teams were bringing up was, so if there's a personal foul penalty on the extra point or whatever the mm-hmm. uh, that then pushes it, say you're kicking it at the 50-yard line and you try and pooch it and they fair catch it, they get it to 25. So you, there's no advantage there. So they're going to table it to kind of get more information on that stuff. But there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on uh, in terms of the rules and the committees and everything like that. Um, so I'm not talking I, about that. But- I know. I know that there was also a conversation about making um, roughing the passer penalties reviewable. Um, I think that that at this point needs to happen because you're you're having referees deciding the games, and you know when the pass interference a couple of years ago was a reviewable play after the the Saints game um, in the playoffs. I think you started to to pull back the idea and again this is coming as an umpire like as a baseball official you're starting to pull back the idea that the officiators the officiants of the game are infallible that they cannot make a mistake and how dare you question them because you know what you're going to miss a call they're they're humans and i know like minor league baseball is using robo umps and like that's going to be a problem and you know every day i'm getting tagged in something like oh this call happened and this call happened like yeah I, i get it but I think that the roughing the passer penalties and the pass interference penalties specifically are really becoming too deciding in games, games that you don't want the officials to decide. Yeah. And I, the one pushback that I have with that is when you looked at the, the pass interference penalties, when they were reviewable, not many passed because the officials didn't want to say, Oh yeah, I messed up. So well, how will that go in in a roughing the passer penalty? Are they it would be it would be the same thing, and it would be for it'd be for one year. So exactly. So that's the other pushback that I have with that. Maybe they have to you know cater the rules a little bit, kind of tell the refs to pull back 
but again, they want to protect the quarterback as much as possible because it is an offensive game. Everything is more catered to the offensive side of the ball. So I don't see too much going with the reviewing the roughing the passer. No, and, and I don't, I don't either. I mean, but it's definitely one of like, one of my other frustrations is the fact that they limit challenges, right? So, okay. You, you get two challenges game. If you get them both right, then you get a third. If I have to challenge something two, three times in a game and I'm getting it right each time, I should get a fourth challenge. I should get a fifth challenge. It means the officials aren't doing their job. And I am clearly seeing something better. You until I get it wrong. Yeah. So if I, I could see that, like if you're getting challenges, right, you shouldn't lose them all then after you use a couple. Um, I get the idea that you only have a certain amount of timeouts. Yeah. So that's why that number is three. I, I do understand that. But again, at the same time, the overall goal has got to be to get the call. Correct. Yep. And how that is not the only level of the, the, the overall goal has got to be get the call right. And the last one I want to bring up before we start talking a little bit about, um, you know, the Eagles during the owners meetings um, is the whole third quarterback rule. And that whole thing that they, uh, that of course the, I think the, the Lions San Francisco 49ers rule. Got it. Lions brought it up, but it was the 49ers in terms of working the strings. Crying. Yeah, exactly. So um, that to me, it's, it, it's this, I understand the game day rosters and you have teams that have injured players and all that, but why not make the game day roster 50 and then teams who have a number of guys injured, you pull from your practice squad and you call them up. And to me, it's, if you have more, more roster spots, my opinion is, you know, have a third quarterback. They used to do that. They used to have that emergency that third quarterback would be active, but then there was rules that if third quarterback had to come in the game, nobody else could then come back in the game or vice versa. I think you need to have a rule like that because when you look at the NFL today is if a quarterback gets hit in the head, he's out for the game, whether he's fine or not. If, if there was any type, any certain, they're going to hold them out. So it isn't like it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, and hey, it's for the good to be a player safety. I understand that. Right. Like you, I, I, you can have a whole group of players that are only going to dress in a concussion protocol situation. Yeah. So or not, not even dress, they'll be able to be enter the game. Yeah. So for me, it's okay, have that third quarterback active as a just in case. But again, teams are going to do what they're that they want to do. They rather bring up an extra offensive lineman than a quarterback because that opportunity was there. The linemen are more versatile, though. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, know what I mean, like, like Cam Jurgens, if he's your extra lineman, he can play guard. He can play center. If you bring up a Landon Dickerson, he can play all three spots on the line. So bringing up that one player makes him much more versatile. Yeah. And like I said, they have to come up with some type of rule or the teams just have to maybe call up a practice squad quarterback if they're that worried, especially in the playoffs. I don't know. Maybe in the playoffs, they make an exception. I don't know, but that's something that they tabled that they're going to discuss and talk about as well. It is not the Eagles fault. No, it's that, not that the 49ers had a slew of injuries at the quarterback position. They knocked the guys out. That's not their fault. That's called football. That's what football is. So, uh, you know, speaking a little bit about football, the, uh, Eagles personnel, uh, mm -hmm. we're talking, um, and one thing that I want to bring up, uh, you know, how we talked 
you know, he, you know, he made the, you know, talked about the CJ Garner Johnson stuff and how they, you know, just went their went their separate ways in terms of that. Um, you know, Jeffrey Lurie talked and, uh, but the one thing I want to talk about is one thing that Sirianni said that I thought was a little bit telling. Um, let me pull it up here. Is uh, this the uh, Sean Desai Gannon situation? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. So I was gonna I was gonna bring this up too. So James Palmer. Uh, tweeted, uh, Nick Sirianni said today he spent a lot of time with his new DC, Sean Desai. Sirianni wants Desai to run the defense his way, but also some aspects of how it will run are non-negotiable in Sirianni's eyes. The belief in the turnover and explosive play differential. Mm-hmm. Sirianni also has things situationally that are non-negotiables on how he wants Desai to run them. Say third and long, tight and red zone, two-minute end-of-game plans, end-of-game plays, to name a few. Right there tells you everything that I hated the way the defense was ran the last game of the season that we wound up losing, which we Um, saw, we saw that and we called him right out. I mean, look, Jonathan Gannon was very good at getting turnovers for the most part, but that was due to the players making plays. I don't necessarily think that was Gannon. Um, he, I mean, he put him in, in position, but a lot of time was and was playing back. I think that Gannon also did a good job early on in his session w- in his career with us. Is he did the best with what he had, but then he was given an absolute stud squad of a defense, and there were times when when he kind of released the reins a little bit, and they played phenomenally. And then during the Super Bowl, he went right back to his old ways. Yeah. Uh, so t- to me, that was very telling in terms of, you know, what he was saying you know, about the defense and the way it's going to be run. And I, I think he will let Desai, um, you know, have a big stronghold of what he wants to do. I, I could see that, but of course there, there are things that the head coach wants to see and that's what the head coach does. And that's, um, and that's, what and at the end, of, and at the end of the day, it's Sirianni's name. That is, it's not Sean Desai. Like we talk about him because we are in Philadelphia and we talk about the Philadelphia Eagles here, but the national media doesn't bring that up. No, no, they don't. And we'll, we'll see how, how it plays out. Um, I, I like the new defensive corner. I like, I like, I like to see, you know, it's new. So let's see what it brings. And that's kind of what we'll go about. Um, the other thing, of course, that everyone's all, um, Happy about and everything is Jeffrey Laurie talked about the Kelly Green is back, which we knew, um, but he just made it a definite. There is no set date on when it will return, but um, I do think that's cool because uh, I like to see these throwbacks. And it's not just the Eagles. I like to see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with the creamsicles. I want to see these teams wearing these throwbacks because for you and I, Chip, now – the Eagles Kelly Green, I don't remember because I became an Eagles fan when I was little back in the mid to late 90s. So that was right after the Kelly Green era. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the other sports too, and the NBA bringing back those Grizzly jerseys and all this stuff, and we wanting the Sixers to bring back, you know, the, the Iverson Day, you know, stuff, you know, I like all that because at a point, one, it helps them make money because people go and buy the merchandise. People buy the jerseys, people buy, you know, everything they, they buy it up. And the other thing is it kind of brings the, it's that nostalgia feeling. 
nostalgic feeling. Um, so for me, I want to see Kelly green. I think it's really cool. I, I think they look awesome. Uh, same thing with other NFL teams. Like I said, like I mentioned, uh, I want to see other teams, you know, Hey, I'd like to see the Buccaneers wear their creamsicles and the Eagles wear their Kelly green. I think that'd, that'd be awesome. And it's, it's something the NFL definitely used to do when they had the two helmet, two shell rule, or they didn't have a two shell rule. And it was fun. It's, it's, it's fun to see that kind of stuff because it kind of brings it brings the the fan aspect in terms of getting back to your childhood, I guess you can say. Yeah. Uh, getting back to the old old days. So I think it's pretty cool. I know some people don't care, but I think it's I think it's I don't necessarily care about the Kelly Green. Like it's such a cool look, and I do like I'd rather them just go back to the old school Eagle logo. You know, with the Eagle holding the football. That's all I want. The the green and I, I don't necessarily care. It's it's cool. But that logo is so strong and the watered down watermark that we have now, especially in the end zones, like it's just, it doesn't do it for me. It's too, um, I don't mind the bird head logo that they have now. The bird head logo is behind me right there. That's, that's fine. But it would be, it would be really cool to see in the middle of the field when they wear their Kelly greens to have that Eagles logo in the middle of the field. I, I understand. I, I agree with you, uh, with that, that would be, um, you know, That'd be pretty badass to see that. I, I I would like to see that, but uh, oh hey, it's it, it's cool that it's back. But um, last thing, uh, last couple things I want to bring up: Eagles signed a safety this past week. Uh, Terrell Edmonds, I think they signed him. Wasn't it Thursday? Thursday yeah, something like that. Funny, it's like after our show, they usually sign someone, so they'll probably sign someone tomorrow or Friday, and then we'll be able to talk to him. Kind of gets us that 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 motion of uh, keep signing. It's funny because I saw something today. Um, the Raiders have signed the most players so far in free agency. Mm-hmm. They've signed 25 players. That's, that's, that's crazy. That's, the that's the crazy. Raiders have made moves. The Panthers have made moves. The NFL around the Eagles have all made moves. And we know that the Eagles obviously coming off of a Super Bowl berth are going to have hemorrhage players, which is what has happened. And you've seen the, You've seen the comp the comp picks and to to kind of showcase that. I understand the CJ Gardner Johnson thing. I understand them moving along away from him once he realized the market wasn't as exciting as he wanted it to be. I think that they could have struck a deal, but again, I understand. And it's a one year deal. He's on another prove it deal over in Detroit. Who says he doesn't come back? I doubt it. He will now. I think that there will be some bad blood. Um, I think they did end up, you know, solidifying at least the corners, but I think there's enough positions out there where this team still cannot be done. The NFL around them got too good. No, and there's a lot of quality players still out on the market. Uh, we talked about it last episode, uh, certain players and Eagle signed Terrell Edmonds, a safety, uh, from the Pittsburgh Steelers started 75 games with the Steelers and is still only 26 years old. Um, just turned 26 years old in January, mm-hmm. late January. So it's pretty crazy. He is a young football player, uh, you know, very, very talented against the run. Um, yeah, it's listen at six foot one, two seventeen. He's a bigger type of safety, but again, he's played with the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is always a good, a good defense. And, you know, s- listen to a lot of guys talk about, uh, who watch film, um, that, like specifically watched him too, that last year was one of his better years. Uh, right. he notice, noticeably improved um, with the Steelers and he played a lot with the Steelers. So it is a signing, which I think they is cap hits only like 1.9. It's not bad. 
Not bad. It's at a one-year prove it deal. It's, it's a one-year prove it deal, which a lot of the the deals that Howie has signed this year uh, in free agency has been small deals. Again, prove it deals, but some veterans that have starting experience in depth, and that's something that that we talked about. You want to see that happen because this team won't be as mm-hmm. healthy as they were last year. There will be te- players banged up. There will be players missing time. It's just. It's the cycle of the football life, the football world, especially when you're coming off of a Super Bowl when you've played all the way up until February. So there's a lot of games in those in those legs. So some of these guys. So, you know, unfortunately, it it may happen. But I like the signing. It's it's a good signing to a player who is still young. That if he plays really well, mm-hmm. you can always re up him and bring him back. Uh, so I think that is a, a good signing there in the safety room. So. Uh, gives another veteran addition, veteran addition for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. So the last thing I want to you know t- talk about because it's kind of been all over uh, Twitter, people doing edits. I'm you know putting some jersey edits out there just because it's it's fun. It's you know it's that time of year. You're kind of in the the middle here. Free agency is in the second second leg, third leg, and the draft isn't here yet. So kind of got some time to do some stuff and looking at other players who possibly could be trade targets in terms of someone you may want to see with the Eagles. Uh, The player I'm going to bring up is Jeffrey Simmons, the defensive tackle of the Mm -hmm. Titans. Not saying it's something that's definitely going to happen, but a, a, all all this came to when, uh, somebody saw he scrubbed all his Titans photos. Of course, because it's all about so, it's all about the social media things. Yeah, so people want to you know try to be detectives and look at every little aspect that either someone posts or somebody does something. But Jeffrey Simmons, twenty five year old interior defensive lineman, uh, an absolute game wrecker. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, he's in the last year of his deal with the Titans. The Titans are looking to be a rebuilding franchise right now. Uh, when you look at basically what they've done, what they've lost. Um, you know, for me, I would absolutely love to do it. My question to you is this. Would you trade the number 10 pick no. for Jeffrey Simmons? And why wouldn't you do it, though? No, I think that... So the Eagles are definitely... Their roster top to bottom is pretty solid. But you look at some of the players that are going to be on their way out. Pretty soon. So you look at a guy like Kelsey, and yes, you have Cam Jurgens as a replacement. You look at a guy like Lane Johnson. At some point, you're going to need your right tackle of the future. You know, you now look- Lane, Lane Johnson signed a big extension, which we didn't bring up. Uh, uh, yep. So most likely, he'll be playing those next two years because the way that extension works. So you have him right now for two years. He may play that that third year, all depending. But again, you have some time to get a, another offensive tackle whether it's in this draft or possibly next draft but but that's but that's what i'm saying like that i think that 10 that number 10 pick you know you you've got aging players on the offensive line you've got aging players as defensive ends you've got still weaknesses at linebacker you've got you know one year prove it deals in your secondary um specifically the safety position i think that you know, you're never going to draft a running back that high, but there are some absolute monster running backs. I mean, I think that that 10 pick is is very valuable right now. Well, are you going to get a player at number 10 right now who's better than a 25-year-old star defensive tackle? On a position that the Eagles 
value tremendously. And they do value it tremendously, but you also have to give the D tackles that we have right now a chance to prove their draft stat. Like Milton Williams, you didn't hear a ton from last year. You know, you have to give Jordan Davis an opportunity to kind of excel as that defensive tackle. Yeah, I mean, I would like Simmons um, would plug right into where Hargrave was. Right. So, and I and I like that. But so right. would Fletcher's not going to have starting. He's not going to be 70% of the snaps. He's going right. to cut it down and Milton Williams will play in there and they'll probably, you know, draft another defensive tackle or possibly sign another veteran to kind of break up the time. But I, at first I, I was, mean, do you think that Jeffrey Simmons would be a top 10 pick? Jeffrey Simmons would probably be a top five pick. Really? He is that good. So I, I had I had what, what if it if had, it's if it's straight up you know one for one then fine yeah and my my thing when you look at Jeffrey Simmons and I had the same I said the same thing that you said I was like absolutely no and then I was like but wait a minute hold on and then he's twenty five years old um, the last two years of when he really broke out. His 20, mm-hmm. age 24, 25 season. So he'll be 26 this year. Eight and a half sacks and seven and a half sacks. He had, uh, he was a pro bowler in both those years. He was a second team all pro in both those years. Uh, 12 tackles for loss, nine tackles for loss. You know, he's, he had, oh, and he also had uh, last play, the last time they were in the playoffs, so it was 2021, he had three sacks in one game. Mm-hmm. So he is, a menace on the defensive line. And the thing about it is when you look at the Titans defensive line, they struggled last year with injuries. Um, he was most of the time double teamed and focused on cause he was that player because um, they had some injuries on their defensive line. They had some injuries on their pass rushers. So if you look at the Eagles, you have a Fletcher Cox there. You would have a Jeffrey Simmons. You have Josh sweat and Hassan Reddick and Brandon Graham. And you have, Derek Barnett's still on this team. Derek Barnett, you're loading up. You loaded up, and you just basically plugged in Jeffrey Simmons, a five year, a player five years younger than Hargrave, and you plug him in. Now you'd have to sign him to an extension because he's on the last year of his deal. Um, but I think that would be. I wouldn't say absolutely no. But I, would I want to just trade number thirty for him? Absolutely but I'm not sure something that Tennessee would um, take in that. Now, it was possible that Tennessee could package 30 and whatever else for a much higher draft pick too. Yeah, no, you're right. And you're looking at Tennessee. There is another player. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to name three players. So this is the second of three players and sticking with Tennessee is their safety, Kevin Byard. And he's an upgrade over what we have now. Let's go. He'll he'll be 30 years old. He does make, I, I don't know. I think he's on the last year of his deal. But again, you can always rework and, you know, extend them a year or two and, you know, work around money that way. But he was one of their best defensive players along with Simmons. But in the back end of that at defense, he was the best player in that back end. And, you know, he's been to the Pro Bowl. He's he's one of the top safeties in the game, even at his age of 29 going into 30. I think it's an absolute no brainer. He's an absolute, you know, plug and play in this defense. He's from Philadelphia. He's not going to cost you a lot. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe you can trade one of your fourth or fifth round picks for next year that you're going to have. So, I think that's that's something I would definitely, if if you want to call Tennessee, if they say no to Simmons, but they'll say yes to Bayard, 
that's a hundred percent. I would definitely make that deal. Right. Um, you know, what do you think in terms of adding the safe the safety room? I know they added two free agents, but but did they? They they added free agents who are depth players that are going to help. Like I said, you need to strengthen that room because you get any injuries, there's going to be a problem. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily have at this point a wish list of players. I wish I did. Um, I think that there are definitely still positions that need improving. Um, positions like safety. I still don't think that our, our safeties are, are good enough. I think that we're pretty set on running backs. You know, we'll, we'll draft a kid somewhere along the way. I think that we, our quarterback room is done. I think we need a tight end some which way um, as a, as a secondary tight end, obviously, you know, Goddard is tight end one. You need some players on the offensive line to kind of fill out the line and fill up the backups and just put them into Stoutland university. You need a couple more defensive linemen. You definitely need linebackers. So I don't know necessarily who I would trade for those positions, but there are still weaknesses, players that have to come in and contribute this season in order for the Eagles to make another run. So the last player I want to bring up, it's not going to be a sexy name or a big, big star or anything like that. It's more of a logical in terms of a trade and it wouldn't cost you much, but you know, mid to late round pick if that, and you look at a team that just signed two former Eagles offensive linemen, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. They signed Isaac, Isaac Sayamalu, and they signed Nate Herbig. And when you look at their defense, uh, their offensive line depth chart, there's a player, there's two players. So it could be either or, okay? Kevin Dotson, who played guard for them, or Kendrick Green plays guard slash set, can play guard slash center. Um, both were mid-round picks. Uh, Dotson was a fourth-round pick in 2020, so he's on the last year of his rookie deal. And Kendrick Green was a third-round pick in 2021. He has one more year left. I think Green would be more logical to get that extra year. But also, look at what the Eagles lost. We know that Jack Driscoll plays guard, but also plays right tackle, and he can move around and do a couple different things. Cam Jurgens, apparently they're looking as going to be in competition for that right guard spot. They have Sua Opeta, who's been here for years. Oh, God, how is that guy still on this team? Adding a player like a, a Kendrick Green or a Kevin Dotson, um, I, I think Green would be the more likely, in my opinion, um, because he can play center, can play guard. You get him with Stoutland you know, for a year, not necessarily going to play this year, maybe get some opportunities the following year. Again, I think that's something you could see the Eagles doing, and the Eagles like to do things like that, do deals like that. Mm -hmm. A player, they do it a lot. Either they trade a player to, to Pittsburgh for a player who they know aren't going to make the roster. So it's like a, an even swap there, but um, definitely something that I would keep an eye on. And I, I didn't want to throw all big names. That's just something that I had, I was thinking about um, with this team when you're looking at the roster. Right. I mean, look, the, for the most part, I feel like this roster is getting close to done. Um, obviously they have to, at some point pay the hell out of Jalen hurts. And I know there's, quite the delay. Um, but I mean, they, they have to do that. And then when they do, we'll, we'll kind of go from there, but good Lord, I, I need this team to look a little bit more like the Super Bowl team rather than us just hemorrhaging some of the best players. And they will, uh, I, of course, like, 
like like your buddy Aaron Rodgers says, relax. Who's who's uh, still not a jet. Yeah, that's right. My whole plan of what I want to see before we, we sign off here, I want to bring this up, but I think it'd be hilarious. Is if the Jets go ahead and say, you know what, let's take let's take Lamar Jackson. And then basically it screws the Packers. The Packers are stuck not knowing what they're gonna do. I kind of, I kind of want to see that because it would be kind of funny. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of just handicaps them to do basically anything. Um, but again, there, there's a lot of situations still left. There's a lot of good players still out there for the Eagles to add. Again, the draft is is in one is little less than one month. Um, it was a couple of days ago. It was one month exactly, but it's a little less than one month away. So. There's a lot of draft talk that we're going to be doing and bringing up. Uh, so in the coming weeks, definitely stay stay tuned for that. We're going to be talking some some draft prospects, maybe doing some more eagle centric mock drafts mm-hmm. um, because that's always fun to talk about in terms of adding talent to this team and where they could fit and who may fall to them and what kind of uh, fun little things. Uh, always enjoy that. Um, so we'll get to doing that. But uh, otherwise, it was a fun show. Uh, Chip, yeah. you know. Kind of hit everything. Uh, luckily, the I NFL gave us this stuff to talk about because it gives us something, of course, down the road after the draft, usually the schedule release. So there's a lot of stuff, OTAs and all that. So the NFL lets you uh, keep going in terms of having stuff to talk about. And of course, well, because they don't let themselves get out of the news. Exactly. Which is smart. It is very smart. It's annoying. But, Give uh, me a break. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But with that, um, I want to thank everyone for tuning in and thank Chip for joining me. As always, we always end it with a very happy and joyful. Ring the bell. Phillies start tomorrow. Go Mariners. Go Birds. Go Birds. This is Matt Ware. Hey, for all the Eagle content you need, go follow All About the Birds. They do a damn thing. Hey Eagles fans, I may be in Tampa, but I know where to find the best Eagles content out there. Check out my friends at All About the Birds. Philadelphia, what's up? This is your boy Freddie Mitchell, a.k.a. Fred X. It's all about the bird. All birds, all the time. All birds, all the time. All About the Birds provides you with weekly analysis, game recaps, informative interviews, and it's all birds, all the time.